Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great. Little warm-up question. Turn to a couple of people around you. How many chances does somebody usually get with you in terms of they've, they've done something, it's annoying, something that they shouldn't do? How many times do you generally let somebody do that? How many chances do they get? Okay, quick straw poll, um, who's, a, who's, a, who's like a one? There's a, there's a few ones, wow, hang on, no, notice that, all right, who's a three? Three chances, quite a lot of three, fives? Nobody, yeah, wow, uh, seven, ten, they're going low, low, all right, who's going to go like really high? A few people? Unlimited. Wow, there you go. Yeah. It depends on who it is. Yeah, okay. Good, good, good. All right, we're going to look at what the Bible might say about that. And um, it starts off really with that question being asked effectively by one of Jesus' disciples. His name was Simon Peter. And uh, it would appear that sometime he's talking to Jesus and, he, and, and he's with Jesus and he recognizes Jesus talks a lot about forgiving. Everywhere we go, he seems to be talking about forgiveness. There's one point, you can't even do a healing without selling the guy first. They bring this guy, they smash through the roof and lower him down in front of Jesus. And, they, and he says to him, before he talks about his healing, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. He sorts that out. And then he says, oh, by the way, now, you, now you're healed, you can go home. And he, he, but he deals with the forgiveness thing first. And Jesus talks a lot about, about forgiving. He even talks about forgiving your enemies. He said you should love people who despitefully use you. And he says, like, there's, you know, what credit is it to you if you only forgive people when it's easy to forgive? So he said, anybody can do that. But there's another level. So he would talk about these things. And it's obviously really challenging for Simon Peter to hear this. And, it, and the person who brought Simon Peter initially to know Jesus was his, his own brother, Andrew. And um, I don't know, hands up if you've got a brother. Hands up if you've got an older brother. Aren't they annoying? I mean, I've got an older brother, an older brother, and you know, I don't know, but but I must have had to forgive him. But then I think about it, and I figure probably he might have had to forgive me <laughs> a little bit too over the years. And so Peter comes to Jesus and he says, "Lord, how many times, when my brother sins against me, do I have to forgive?" He's like, "How many chances do I have to give Andrew?" And, and he's thinking about it, and it's a serious kind of family question. It's a relationship question in terms of forgiving. It's really practical. And uh, so he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? I'm, I'm wondering if he's actually talking about his brother who sins against me. As many as seven times. Now, because he knows this is Jesus he's talking to, and uh, so he goes high. You know, he's going high. As many as like, I uh, can't say one, can't say three, seven times. You see, the rabbis, some of the rabbis in the time, they would say that you've got to forgive three times. So you've got to, you know, for, for a lot of stuff, if somebody hurts, you've got to give, forgive three times. So Peter doubles that and adds one for good luck in order to kind of show Jesus, I'm a, I'm, you know, I want to be one of the good guys. Should I forgive up to seven times? And then Jesus says, well, no, not just seven times, 70 times 7. And Peter's probably working at the maths and going, like, oh, maybe that means 491 I can smack him. <laughs> but possibly that's not actually what Jesus was intending him to think. What does forgiving mean? See, it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes we talk about forgiveness because, again, it's like that person said, it depends. It depends on the person. It depends what they've done. 
And, you know, what about, what about if they, do I need an apology and then I can forgive? Because what about if they don't apologise? What if they never even admit or think they've done anything wrong and they just think it's on you? How can you forgive then? Can you forgive then? Um, what does forgiveness mean? Does it mean forgotten? Because there's things that I think I've forgiven, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I've forgotten. I think it helps. But it doesn't always mean it just automatically happens that I forget. It may be, well, is forgiveness condoning, saying it's all right? No, because he wasn't all right. What if he wasn't all right? What if he's still not all right? Do you just say, well, I forgive you, and kind of, because it, it, it didn't matter? What if it does matter? What if it continues to matter? It isn't just saying it doesn't matter, because it does matter, because often sin matters, sin matters to God. So much, the Bible says, that he actually came into the world to save people from this thing called sin which is when we break God's heart and we break God's laws, that actually, rather than break us, he, he forgives us and puts us back together for the wrong things that we've done. So forgiveness, it isn't simply pretending it didn't happen, because it did happen, but this kind of stuff Jesus is talking about, 70 times 7 forgiveness, he basically is talking about unlimited. He's like saying, just keep going, just keep forgiving. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that I submit to abuse, of any kind. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's all right for somebody to, to do something that is, that is, you know, in the category of, of abuse. Because submitting to abuse is, is not forgiveness. We're going to look at a demonstration as we carry on this amazing story of Joseph's life that some of you have been with us on this journey. It's an incredible story of human forgiveness. But as we look at the life of Joseph, and now we find this time when he meets back with his brothers, when finally they're there in front of him and they're at his mercy. We have that phrase, don't we? At his mercy. And he gives them mercy. And it's a, a wonderful depiction of, of human forgiveness, but it also can give us glimpses of an even bigger forgiveness that all of us need, not just once, but maybe 70 times seven, I've needed this over and over, and I'm going to need it tomorrow. And that's when I'm standing before God. That's when I'm in the presence of, of Jesus Christ. And, and let me read the passage. And after, a quick recap of the story so far, in case you weren't here, is that Joseph, if you've never read the book, if you've seen the, 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 uh, the, the musical, um, you know, he's... he's he has, he has these dreams when he's young. Maybe he's a little bit of a big head and he tells his, his brothers about these great dreams he's got that one day they're all going to come and bow down before him and, he, and they surprisingly don't like the dream they, and they don't really like him because he's like the favourite and he, he, tells he tells tales on them and gets them in trouble with his dad and his dad already thinks he's the best and gives him this amazing coat of many colours so he picks him out as being special and all the other brothers, like his half-brothers really, apart from one of them, Benjamin, they don't, they don't like him and they decide to do away with him. And at one point they're thinking of killing him and then they say, actually, no, let's just sell him as a slave instead and he ends up in Egypt. And then he goes from bad to worse because he's pulled out from that place, he's thrown into this, this, this pit and then he's dragged out of there, sold as a slave, and then he becomes a slave in somebody's house, a very powerful man, and then this guy's wife accuses him unjustly of basically like indecent assault and then he ends up in prison and, and he's in, in the prison for many years and he helps people in prison but they forget all about him one of them who he helps could help him doesn't, he's in there even longer and then one day the guy remembers when Pharaoh has a dream and he interprets his dream and he gets brought out and he, he ends up, we've seen this, being in charge of the whole of Egypt he's, he's given authority to rule the whole of Egypt because the Pharaoh recognises the wisdom that is, is inside of Joseph. And then one day, the dream, as we read about it, comes true because he looks and, and there are his brothers bowing down, cowering before him. Now what will he do in this moment? It says this in Genesis chapter 45. Joseph couldn't control himself before all who stood by him. He cried out, make everybody go out from me. So nobody stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud so the Egyptians heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph, is my father still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer him because they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
For the famine has been in the land these two years and another five years yet to come. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive and there to be many survivors. So it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. And now he's made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and ruler over the land of Egypt. Hurry, go to my father and say to him, your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and hurry. You shall dwell here. You shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and herds and all that you have. There I'll provide with you, for you for the next five years so that you do not come to poverty. We're going to examine that, the way in which he gave this forgiveness. There's a guy called R.T. Kendall, an amazing teacher. And he looks at this as an example, perhaps the human example of what he calls total forgiveness and what it looks like. And he says there's actually five marks of total forgiveness. Because I can say I've forgiven, but have I really forgiven? And, he, and what does that actually look like? And he says there's five marks of that. It's like a checklist for us. So perhaps there's somebody, some situation that actually you think you're forgiven or you'd say you're forgiven. Have you? We're going to go through the checklist. Is that Okay. So, I don't know, call to mind a situation. It might be something you need to forgive right now, or you think you have. Number one, total forgiveness is demonstrated when somebody shows that he or she doesn't want anybody else to know what we've done to him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers, he sent everybody else out of the room. Did you notice that? He said, I just want it to be us. Everybody else, leave. The Egyptians never found out what Joseph's brothers had done to him. He didn't want other people to know. He didn't go and tell other people all about it. R.T. Kendall says this, quote, The unforgiving spirit wants to let the world know, wants to tell everybody about our hurt. But love hides a multitude of sins. Hate wants to let the cat out of the bag. Hate wants everybody to know, here's what so-and-so did to me. That's mark number one. Number two, ready for this one? Total forgiveness wants to make the forgiven person feel completely at ease. Wow. It's like the focus isn't on me. Unforgiveness wants the other person to feel uneasy. You want them to squirm at least a bit. You know, you want them to feel it. You want to make sure they see the look on your face so they realise exactly what they have done. But again, look at Joseph, verse 3. His brothers felt troubled at his presence, so he invited them, please come close to me. Come close to me. And they came near and he said, I'm your brother. It's like, remember, we're family. Remember, we're related. He wanted them to look in his eyes, come close, so that when they looked in his eyes, they could see. He meant it. Number three, total forgiveness will not even allow the person to feel bad or angry with himself or herself. Verse 5, I'll read it again. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here before you to preserve life. He's saying, look, I know what your immediate reaction is going to be because of what has happened. I know that us even talking about this is going to make you feel awful, and I don't want you to feel bad. Is this another level? I think this is another level. I read this and I'm convicted about what another level looks like. Because most of the time, you know, when, I, when it's me, I don't know whether, when it's you, I'm like, well, okay, I forgive you just so long as you know. You know? I forgive you and let's be really clear that you realise just how bad it was you know, because I, I, I know I forgive you for what you did, 
and we want them to feel at least a bit bad about it. Joseph, it seems, didn't want his brothers to feel bad. He wanted them to feel forgiven. Number four. Now, you think you've been bad so far. This is a tough one. You want to make it easy for that person to be able to forgive themselves. Now, there are many forgiven people walking around, still tied to their sins, still held back by them, when God has forgiven them completely. They are stuck in the past. They can't forgive themselves, even though God has completely forgiven them already. Years ago, we had a guy come and stay with us for a little while in our house. I was in the police at the time, and this guy had been a bank robber. And he, um, I came in late one night and found him asleep. Sorry, sorry he wasn't asleep. He was, he was stretched out on the floor, crying his eyes out. And I was like, it made me jump, because I thought he'd be upstairs, but he was there on the lounge, crying his eyes out. And I said, what's the matter, John? And he said, he said I just can't forgive myself. He said, I'm, I said, I went to bed, he says, and then I'm just remembering these things that I've done in the past, and the thing, so many things that I've done in the past. And then he started to tell me, he, says, he, says, he said, do you know what I did? He says, I got a shotgun, I found out that cancer research had taken up a, a big collection, and they had all this money for cancer research. I found out where it was, he says, I was that low, I took the shotgun, I went to the cancer research place, I robbed the money that was given to help people with cancer. How can God forgive me? I can't forgive myself. I can't forgive myself. And I said to him, I've not been a Christian long, but I knew enough to know this. I said, well, you've got to. You've got to. Because Jesus already forgave you. Jesus already paid the price for that sin on the cross. Even though there's some people in the room now might be thinking, well, I don't think he should be forgiven. But with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you, the Bible says. And God, why God doesn't grade on a scale of that's really bad and, that's, and your sin happens to be okay. I said to him, you have to forgive yourself because Jesus died for that sin. The Bible says God already forgave our sins, past, present and future. He, already, he forgives the things I'm going to do. That's what he did with Peter. Peter found that out, wasn't it? If you know the story, I haven't got time to go into it, but I just want to, you know, pause, let that sink in a minute. Because actually what I want to do, I want to invite, I'm going to pause the talk at this point for anybody who doesn't know that yet, who hasn't, hasn't already said yes to Jesus Christ, to having their past forgiven as it is, as it was, to grab hold of that today and to say, yeah, and we were singing about the cross. You might have been wondering about the cross and what is it, why do we sing all this stuff about how amazing it is to be forgiven? I'll tell you, you'll know when you know. You'll know how amazing it is when it's happened and when you get it. You, it's, it's well worth singing about forever and ever to be able to know that past has been forgiven. I'm not, I know God's not holding on to that anymore, but he's holding tighter and closer to me. He's not pushing me away. See, God wants to forgive our past and give us a fresh start because Jesus already paid for it all on the cross. And why would he do all of that and still want us to feel guilty? doesn't make any sense the alternative you see is that you move back away from amazing grace and right back into me trying my best and trying harder somehow trying to build my own ladder of good works that will make it all the way to heaven but the problem with that is it's not good enough and it isn't going to reach and one thing I do wrong I'm going right might as well right be down at the bottom again it's tiring and it doesn't work and that's why God came down to save us, to do what we couldn't do ourselves. He even has to save us from trying to save ourselves. That just shows how messed up we are. You know, sometimes people say, well, Jesus would have come and died if it had just been for you. You've heard that, some people have heard that. If you've been the only one, Jesus would have come. And it's true, but the problem with that is I can even make that about me. I can make that about how wonderful I am. Jesus comes and he loves me so much that he came to save me. Aren't I great? No, the problem is not, is, you're getting it completely wrong. It's because we're so messed up and we need it so much and we couldn't save ourselves that he had to do it. It doesn't make us great, it just shows how amazing he is. 
It's just, it's not, oh, I love this much. And yeah, you are, but even with that, I can make that about me. Do you get this? I can, you know, I can make that about, about me. It's no, it's he came to save us, to sh and that shows how serious sin is, how guilty I actually am. And the shame that I would have to, to carry around and cope with myself throughout the whole of my existence, I couldn't do it, Jesus did it. Did you ever stop to think about that? Salvation belongs to everyone, but you have to take it and use it. You have to say, That's, that belongs to me. Jesus has already bought full forgiveness forever. Jesus has already paid for the salvation of the, or however we want to grade it, the worst sinner in this room, in this city, on this planet. He's already paid for it, the price, fully for that. That's the reason we have to go out and tell people the good news of, of, and say, yes, okay, you've done wrong, but here's how good God is. The cross has paid it all, so you can be reconciled to God. There used to be a, a sign at a church that I used to go to, and it said outside, you're not so good that you can't be saved. No, so you're not so good that you don't need to be saved, and you're not so bad that you can't be. I think that sums it up really well. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. I'm saying this in a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to this. 2 Corinthians 5 19 says, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I think Tim mentioned that verse earlier. And he has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. Not, Christians aren't anybody saying that I'm better than you. We're just saying, I know how messed up I am. I just got forgiven. I just got a new start. I just got grace rather than judgment. And the church hasn't been really good, however, at telling people that. We've kind of presented sometimes a picture of a God or people have somehow got it that he's angry and that he's just waiting to judge sin and he's, you know, he's counting up all the wrong things that people have done. But this says, no, he's not counting it anymore. He's not holding it against anybody. In fact, he's cancelled it all out. That's what's so awful, if anything. So many poor people walking around with the wrong picture of God living for themselves, not living for God, and headed towards hell, even though their debts have been paid in full. There's no such thing as a sin problem, if you like. God's already paid the bill in full. As they nailed him to the cross, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. With his last breath, he declared, it is finished, it's paid in full. What is it? The thing that you don't want anybody to know about. The thing that if they knew, you feel that then people must reject you for. It is finished. There is no sin problem. But there's still a sinner problem until there's a forgiveness that takes place and received. If you get somebody close enough to Jesus, I've found, they realise he's not pushing me away. He wants to embrace me. He's so unlike us sometimes. The closer you get to him, the more you, you realise he just wants to love you. So I'm going to pray um, and invite you to do that. And you know, I love we were singing about the cross before because I used to... I was, I was in here and I was thinking, this is really weird in a way. You know, it just struck me, the weirdness of it. I used to, believe it or not, used to like Manchester clubs. And when I was in the police, I used to go to a lot of them. And the great thing in the police was I never had to pay. <laughs> you just would go, show your little card, and in you went. Sometimes you get free drinks and everything. But I was searching for something. I was, and I was trying to find something that just made me, made me more messed up rather than gave me any kind of solutions for years and years. And then, one day, after a while of searching, God found me. When I was driving to work, I was in the car, I was listening to the words of the kind of song that we sing here, and there's this line that said, hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered in this song. And I, and I had to listen to it again. And then it was like, wow. I knew, I'd been told Jesus died for the sins of the world. I just didn't know it meant me personal that, that I needed that love that forgiveness so badly and the first thing I felt I felt the presence of God I don't know if you felt that here I felt the presence of God here in this place because he'll come anywhere you don't have to go to a church building 
But the presence of God invaded this little car and the first thing I thought was, oh no, it's true. Oh no, it's real and he knows. He's God and he knows about this and that and there and then and, and him and her and all that. He knows it all. I was like, ah, oh, how do I get out of this car? And then I just, then just as I was about to give up on myself, it was like Jesus was just saying, no, I love you. I know, and I love you, and I forgive you, and you're mine, and I belong to you, and you belong to me. And, and, and I was like, oh, this is so good. That's what I invite you to do. Just to close your eyes for a minute. And you might not feel anything, but there is an offer of total forgiveness and a fresh start and power to live a new life. To have all of your past sins washed completely away. Everything we thought and said and done. And to be able to, it's like you're going to get, he's offering you 100% on the test right at the start and says, now you can enjoy learning. It's like you've already got a first. You've already got top marks. He's given you that. Somebody else's. He's given you that. Now you can just enjoy learning in life. And if you want that, just put your hand up where I can see and we can pray. Does anybody wants to do that now? Stick your hand up so I can see. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, anybody else? Anybody else? Cool. Okay. We've got these books we're just going to hand around. If you stick your hand up really high, somebody will just pass it to you. There's one I've written called Work It Out, and it just helps people to be able to understand more about what that means. Anybody else? I'm not going to labour it. Okay, cool. Because I want to finish with a bit something else. Because Can we just celebrate what that's happened? Something amazing just happened. Somebody just gave their life to Jesus and said yes to him. Jesus came because God wants to forgive us of our sins. Jesus came because God wants to forgive us of our sins. That is so amazing. He doesn't want to hold it against us. And so he wants us to live forgiven and forgiving. Do we forgive ourselves? You've got to learn. You've got to forgive yourself before you can really learn to forgive anybody else. You've got to know how forgiven you are before you can ever really learn to be able to forgive anybody else so we don't see the big picture but I think Joseph had spent so long looking at his life through all of the ups and the downs and he looked back at what had happened and what his brothers had done and what had happened as a result of it and, after, and you know he looked back and he kind of thought you know what what if this has actually just all been part of making me who I am and he found a different meaning for what had gone on he told them you know what God was up to something all along. I can see it now. God sent me ahead of you here so that many people could be saved. Because, you know, two people can go through exactly the same thing, totally different. Again, when I was in the police, there were two brothers in our division. One of them was like a notorious gang leader, drug dealer, baddie, as I would have put him, and... He would have put him. And, uh, and, and if you'd have asked him, he would have said, well, if you knew my dad, you'd know why I ended up like this. But he had a brother who was a solicitor who'd gone completely the opposite and was now helping people in those ways. And he would say, I never wanted to be like my dad. Same thing, different reaction. You can't change what happened, but you can change what happens in you as a result of what happened. Some people, something happens and they say, that's the end. I'm done. I'm over. Somebody else can say, that's done. That's over. Now I've got a new start. It's in here, the difference. Joseph shows that if you can see what happened differently, even if you can, you can actually use the heartache and the pain, and it can make, if you can let, it, let God help you to make, it, make you better, not bitter, 
If you can find a, a more empowering meaning, that will ultimately change your story and it will change the stories of everybody else around you. If you can see God's hand and his mercy and his love at work in the situation, it will stop you acting out of reaction and like a victim because now you've got choices. And if you can say, well, that wasn't great, but it wasn't fate. And it wasn't, it wasn't just bad luck. God has been involved all along because he's in charge of my life. So verses five to seven, God, Joseph says, God sent me before you to preserve life. And then he goes, God sent me to preserve a generation for the future. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. How many times so far have we heard, but God, in Joseph's story? Over and over, but God. But God put me in charge of Egypt. See, that changes everything. God works in the background sometimes, in hidden ways. He, he's been working in our past, and one day we might just see it. I think that's what Joseph did. Joseph looks, and again, he sees his dream come true in a way that he never expected that it would do, and that gives him hope for a better future, a vision beyond himself. That's why he could forgive them. And, and, and God wants every person here to receive and give that kind of forgiveness. Fifth mark of total forgiveness, and then we're nearly done, okay? Why don't you stand up and have a little stretch? Okay, high five at least one person before you take a seat. And say, are you ready for number five? I'm ready for number five. Bring on number five. There's only three people actually repeating what I'm saying. <laughs> Be on the front row. Okay. Are we ready for number five? Okay. Number five, finally. Total forgiveness is demonstrated when we don't try to expose their darkest secret. Now, I'm not talking about abuse here. As I said, there are some things that somebody you trust should never do. There are things that you should tell somebody else that you trust about if somebody does those things to you. There are things you should report. There are things you should tell social services or the police or whatever. So I'm not talking about that. That's not okay. That's not what we're talking about. I want to be really clear. If they say, oh, but you're a Christian, so now you have to forgive. No. Not, not just so they can do it again. I'm not talking about that. The Bible says you can protect yourself from a person of evil intent. It's all right to do that. You should. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what Joseph says here in verse 9. He says, hurry and go to my father. Now, that's a bit like his story started. Because he went to his father and told them, told everything that his brothers had done, didn't he? That's how it all got started in the first place. Him telling on them. Now something's happened where he's doing completely the opposite. He's saying, go and tell dad, but don't tell him. Don't tell him about what you've done. The person who would be hurt most by knowing this doesn't need to know. Because that would be awful for you. and You don't have to do that. Do you remember the st start of Joseph's story, as I say? That's when he, he just wanted to get them in trouble. But look how he's, how he's changed. Let me read it in the message version. Hurry back to my father. Tell him your son Joseph says, I'm master of all Egypt. Come as quick as you can and join me here. I'll give you a place. You can all live close to me, your children and your grandchildren. I'll make sure all your needs are taken care of. Total forgiveness means you don't want the sin to be revealed where it would hurt most of all. R.T. Kendall wrote, We tend to threaten... Wait until so-and-so hears about this. We want to hang it over their heads. Joseph had this option at his fingertips, yet Jacob never found out what the brothers had done to Joseph, and Joseph made sure he kept it that way. He said, just go and get Dad. All of you come, I'm going to look after you. This wasn't just, I, I don't want the worst to happen to you. This is, I'm going to make sure the best happens for you now again I, I read that and I'm like I don't know how I can do that, any of this there's things that you know have been, it would be difficult for me to think how do I how do I do that if I start it's alright in, in theory in practice when I think about this situation or that situation I'm like oh, I don't know how I can do that 
And I bet that's how Peter felt too. So the good news is Jesus followed up his instructions to Simon Peter when he said to him, you've got to live 70 times 7 by telling him a little story. And I'm going to tell that little story and then I'm going to invite you to do a forgiveness thing. And it could be that this is the 10th time or the 15th time that you've had to forgive. And it could be, I remember one thing years ago where I felt like I had to forgive and I just had to voice the name and start to say it and I didn't feel it at the time. And over time it wasn't about feelings, it was a decision that was made and as I kept on making that decision, in the end I felt what my mouth was saying because our mouth can get us into trouble and get us out of trouble. And I started to just say the name and, and in a way God, God dealt through that. So here's the story. Are you ready for the story? This is a parable Jesus is saying. You know, put yourself in the parable, put yourself in the picture. Which one are you most like? One day, a king had a servant brought before him who'd run up a debt of a million pounds. By the way, that's you. In case you're wondering where you are in the story, I might as well tell you. <laughs> he couldn't pay. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. We have a debt that we couldn't pay. It's dragging us away forever. It's going to keep us a prisoner. It's going to keep us locked up. He threw himself at the king's feet and begged, please give me a chance, I'll pay it all back. Lies! Can't pay it all back, hasn't got it. Touched by his tears, the king let him off, cancelling the whole debt. Wow. But, no sooner had the servant been released from the room then he bumped into one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 pounds we have a picture of this he grabbed him by the throat and demanded pay up now the poor servant begged give me a chance i'll pay it back exactly the same words as he'd used but instead he had him arrested and put him in jail until the debt was paid when the other servants saw this they were outraged and they told the king he summoned the man and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave your huge debt when you asked me for mercy. Shouldn't you be merciful to your fellow servant? That's the question. Please stand. And make a fist. And squeeze it tight. And think about a situation, maybe God's already been prompting you. Hold it tight. Think about how much they hurt you or that person that you cared about and how, how hurt that is and how wrong it was and count the cost. Just feel it and squeeze it tight and you can hold on to that if you choose. Maybe there's two fists. It's hard to do life with clenched fists. And this isn't saying that it was right or they can do it again and everything's just going to be okay. This is about, it isn't about them effectively, it is about you and God and how he wants you to live, forgiven and forgiving. So... Add up how much sin, how many times we've turned our backs on God. We've broke his heart. We've gone our own way. Think about Jesus' hand stretched out on the cross to get all of your sin forgiven, all of my sin forgiven so that they won't be counted against us. Think about, if you can, how actually... God has been working through it all. All of your life. Even the bad times. It wasn't good. But God is good. And it, even somehow, one day you might see, has helped you to become the person that God is making you to be. So do you still want to hold on? Or let go? Because you can open your hands and that's just a a symbolic thing or you can really do it and release the name the situation the hurt the pain the forgiveness so if you want to just release your hands out and pray and talk to God 
and you can say the name or a code. If it's the person standing next to you, probably best not to say the name right now. <coughs> Just to tell God I forgive. The Greek word for forgiveness is linked to the word untie, unloose. And you set them free and you find yourself free. And I'd like the band to come up. I'm going to go through. I'm doing this at every site because I think it's important. A prayer that me and Zoe prayed in the autumn last year and then we prayed it again and again. And it's reasonably long, but it's a deep prayer. And it's a kind of breaking free from everything. It's a bit like a broad-spectrum antibiotic kind of prayer that sort of covers your life and it's about being forgiven and being released and being set free and with every thought there can be like a spirit that gets attached to that so it's a spiritually powerful prayer too if you if you really get into it and if you agree with the words and if you don't just say them but declare them and mean them so i'm going to i'm going to go through this prayer before we worship so that we can be fully free because you know freedom comes real intimacy in worship comes from from being free inside so I'm going to declare these things. And if you agree with them, you just say them as well. Okay? Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try again. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. I affirm that you are the Son of God. And the only door to eternal life. I acknowledge that you died for my sins. On the cross 2,000 years ago. And rose from the dead by the power of your Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit power is greater than all other powers and has already defeated Satan and every demonic power on the cross 2,000 years ago. Lord Jesus. I renounce all arrogance, self-sufficiency and pride, which was the enemy's downfall. I have nothing and I am nothing except in you, my hiding place. Lord Jesus, now I confess all my sins, especially, and you tell him, you don't have to say it out loud. But if there's anything that comes to mind, that any little word that says, well, this doesn't apply to you because of that, just tell him that because he already knows. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you want us to be free, that you want us to know and feel your forgiveness. So if he brings anything to mind, it, it's not to condemn it's so it can be erased. It's like pointing out a wound so it can be healed. Name it, what it was. Don't just sugarcoat it. Don't just say my sins. Agree with what God says about it. The Bible says, whoever conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So confess and renounce. I don't want to live like that anymore. And I believe that I can get power from you, Lord, to live different. I confess all my omissions. That's things we've not done. There's things that you should have done and you didn't do. They come to mind. Confess them. Agree with God, speak it out, just tell him, I should have done that. I didn't do it. Nothing's a surprise to him. But he wants you to know so that he can be forgiven. I confess the sins of my ancestors. So this is important. Let's do this again together. I confess the sins of my ancestors. See, the Bible talks about sins being visited from generation to generation. 
God's love goes from generation to generation of those who fear him, but our sins can, and our parents' sins, and our grandparents, and there's all those other people that you don't even know about in your family tree, and they could have been involved with all kinds of stuff, witchcraft and anything, and those things just need to be renounced. Otherwise, they're going to keep holding on to you. So you confess them and say, I, I don't want anything to do with that in my life. I need a fresh start from you. And now you're, trans you're put into a different family line, an eternal family line forever. You're, you're part of the family of Jesus Christ. All of his genealogies in the Bible, you could write your name in them because you belong to him now. So just tell him, I want to be free from that. I am claim my freedom, my freedom in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the sins and omissions which I have now just stated. I promise to try with your help, the help of others and the power of the Holy Spirit to not repeat those sins. And if I stumble and fall, I will try to confess immediately. Receive my forgiveness as I turn to you for help, so that I will refuse temptation and negative attitudes, especially rejection. With your help, I will be the friend that I need and want in my life. Lord Jesus, I forgive everyone whether they deserve it or not because you forgave me and held nothing back. I now especially forgive who's that? You tell him. You might not even know the name. You might just see a face. You might see faces, situations. As they come, just say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And you're freeing yourself and the Holy Spirit is here. And he's bringing situations to mind. And it, it's hard, but it's great. Because he doesn't want you to go out the same as you came in. And this is what church is about. We don't just want to sing songs. We want to meet with God. We want the Holy Spirit's power to be released so that we are a free people. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Those situations that come to mind. You're powerless to prevent them, maybe. God wants to show you his power. So just forgive. It doesn't mean it was right, as I said. It doesn't mean what they did was okay. He just says, I'm not going to be the judge over that anymore. I'm going to give that to God and trust him so I can get on with my life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not chained to that. In the name of Jesus now, the authority given to me, I break the chains of every lie, of every hurt everything that's held you back anything that you've agreed with any agreement that you've made that was not a correct agreement that the Holy Spirit wanted you to make may show you what it is and claim your freedom now in the name of Jesus say out loud Lord Jesus as you bring to my attention any occult activity situation or object that displeases you I will repent and sever my relationship with it even if it is valuable because I value you more Lord Jesus thank you for becoming a curse for me on the cross so that now I may be freed of every curse that is due to my sins or the sins of my ancestors or anything spoken over me whether the person intended it as a blessing or not if it's not from you I don't want it and Lord Jesus now I take my stand in your power washed in your blood against all the enemy's powers trusting that you will take care of me I resist the devil and he must flee in your name 
I speak to you that have tried to control me. All things from the dominion of darkness. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I command you to now quietly go from me. Under the feet of Jesus, I expel you. And just breathe it out sometimes. It's just... Breathe out and breathe in the Holy Spirit. Exhale any other powers that have tried to hold you or control you. Breathe in. Be refilled, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I receive my freedom and I command any other spirit to never return. And I close all gates and doors that allowed you entry. Lord Jesus, I adore and praise you for filling me now with your Holy Spirit. Every empty spot that has been vacated by any other spirit so that when they try and come back, there will be no place for them. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a heart full of joy and gladness. Thank you for delivering me. Please come and fill the holes in my heart with your Holy Spirit as I worship you now. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.